following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. funny because Pastor John Aaron was messaging me a couple months back about preaching at some point this this summer uh, while Heath was on sabbatical, and at first I was extremely anxious, still am, um, but I am thrilled to be able to do this. Uh, this past year at Bix, I during the second semester we had a new class called Biblical Interpretation. Um, it was a new class taught by Pastor Corey McLaughlin, and it was basically at the guinea pig level um, stage where we were figuring everything out. And so we were kind of pushed through that process and used to determine what would happen in the coming years. But um, one of the things that we did was we picked our favorite verse. Um, mine happened to come from Romans chapter 12, which is what we'll be reading today. Um, but I picked this verse. It's actually... Romans 12:2, where it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Um, so when we per- first picked our verses, um, we were just figuring we were going to memorize them, um, you know, maybe you know, read and figure out what it meant, but uh, if any of you know Pastor Corey, you know that that is um, much, in, in easier terms, too simple for something that he would do. Um, so what ended up happening was we spended we spent the entire semester uh, figuring out the context of the verse that we chose uh, in a broader sense, looking at um, you know not just the verse but everything around the verse, what it means to be reading what we're reading, and and to see what exactly everything as a whole means together. And so what ended up happening was I looked at all of chapter twelve in Romans and used it as um, a study tool. Uh, we ended up memorizing them. Uh, everyone picked a, a different verse, obviously, but they, they all did their own analysis of the verse that they chose. And they, and they looked at it in the context, and it ended up being about a chapter for each of us. Uh, I got lucky. I, I only had 21 verses to memorize. My friend Jake chose John 6, so he had 55 verses. Um, but again, I, we ended up memorizing it, and it ended up being a helpful tool that I could use Later on, um, and when John had asked me what I would be preaching on, it was something that clicked right to my mind because we had spent so much time. We, we spent the entire semester learning about it, so I figured it was probably the smartest thing to, to preach on. Um, and it, at the time, it felt very extensive, um, a little bit excessive in that we were you know, focusing only on that chapter for pretty much all of one semester. But what we ended up figuring out is that by doing that, um, we were able to learn things every single time that you read it, uh, learn new things from it, and be able to better understand everything every time you read it. So not just that initial time that you're um, you know, reading it for the first time, but instead you're able to spend time to actually understand what it means. And so back in January in my class, I, I did a chapel message on it, um, and I learned that after doing a message, there's a lot more than just what seems to be on a surface level in these first just two verses. Um, and so 
Anyways, we will go and we can all flip to chapter 12 of Romans now. I think it's page 947 in the Pew Bibles. Um, so kind of a background of Romans. Uh, Romans is Paul's kind of explanation of the theology of the entire New Testament um, as a whole in one book. Uh, specifically here in chapter 12, it's the beginning of a final division of the book of Romans. Um, chapters 1 through 8 were doctrinal. Chapters 9 through 11 are dispensational. And chapters 12 to 16 are kind of our our duty and our responses to these principles. Um, it's kind of how our conduct should look as Christians. So we can go ahead and read that. Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one for evil, but give thought to, what, give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. I just pray that you would be with us this morning, Lord. Fill us with the Spirit, Father. Just let it, let your message flow through us and let it be um, just a learning tool for us, Lord. I just pray that we would just be full of the Spirit to be able to understand what it is that you are trying to speak to us, Lord. And I just ask that we would have uh, receptive ears and receptive hearts to hearing your message. In your Son's name I pray. Amen. So from here, um, Paul is going from 
summarizing God's grace and mercy in our lives in chapters 1 through 11 and transitioning to now what it should do to change our lives and change our priorities. Um, Chapters 12 through 15 really kind of encapsulate what it means to live a life that's according to and pleasing to God. Um, Right off the bat, uh, Paul is speaking here, um, and I think that something really important to to grasp and understand is that just the, this, the start of his message, just the start of this chapter saying, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. It's, he's not yelling. He's speaking comfortably. Um, he's not commanding. Uh, he's doing it in a way that's calm and easy to understand for the people that are maybe Christians or non-Christians alike. Um, something that is known is that Paul is one that wasn't someone that was commanding people. Um, Instead, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't sit there and say, hey, listen to this, you better do this or you're going to hell. That's not something that he did. He was, he was gentle and he was patient. And when he was, you know, saying these words, it was in a way that was like a plead. He was begging these people um, by God's mercy that they would be, be turning to Christ and not, and not themselves. Um, so in this... When Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, it's kind of a, a, a showing that he's tying these, the 11 chapters before back to this one um, where he's going to end up kind of closing out the, the book of Romans with the next uh, four chapters. Um, so again, uh, the appeal that he's having is that he's, he's begging to these people. It's, it's a, a language of grace that he's, um, that he's asking these people. It's not... It's not of the law that he's asking. There's no thunder coming from Mount Sinai. There's no sort of command. Again, it's, um, it's, it's a beg. It's a plead. So Moses was one that would command his people. Everything that Moses said to you know, the people of Israel was a command um, from God. In this case, Paul is kind of, it's more of an exhortation. It's Paul kind of exhorting and, and telling that this is the things that God has told me that should be done. Um, and it's not in a way that's going to be attacking these people, but instead it's a way that these people can see the principles of Christ's life and be able to live a life that's according to him. He told Philemon, Paul told Philemon that he could have commanded him, but he didn't because Paul doesn't command. Again, he begs and he, he pleads these people because this is in regards to their salvation. It's not something that he can just tell them to change it's something that changes over time with with god's mercy and grace and so this is you know it's it's paul begging these people like please like please come to the lord because if you don't you know these are the consequences um so you know something that i took away from that is that again paul wasn't attacking them with a command or what he was saying he was not shoving the gospel down their throat like it can be so easy to do with non-christians he was sharing with these people the fact that we're all broken sinners and that we need a Savior and that Christ was the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. He is the perfect Savior. And so in regards to that, Paul was begging them to be looking to Christ as their Savior. This, and this is the you know, amazing fact that this is the good news. This is the gospel of Christ, that, that Jesus died for our sins and that they can know these things too. Christians and non-Christians alike can know these things. So in the same way, when we are sharing the good news of Christ, and I, I hope that we are because it can be hard to do that. If we're going around shouting at people how bad they are 
and how they're going to hell for what they've done, the reality is that we just look like big hypocrites because really we're just as bad. In our sins, we are no better than any unbeliever. But the only difference is that we have Christ to have died for our sins and we are trusting in Christ to have died for our sins. And that's the important part to see is that the non-believers and the believers still sin, but the believers have Christ to pay that penalty for them. And so that is why it is so important that we do be sharing that gospel because you know, those people need to know that they are sinful and they have that sacrifice, but in a way that's not attacking them or you know, being too aggressive to the point where they don't want to hear what you have to say. Um, this past year at Bix, I had some time in the, the minute... the minuscule free time that I had, I was able to go with my friend Jake down to uh, Dunkin' Donuts, um, Subways, around, and just pick, you know, try and just seek God and pick people that we saw there to try and share the gospel with. And it only happened a couple times, but it was a good learning experience because at first I found that I was very aggressive and, you know, not physically aggressive, but just the way that I was talking to them, it was, seemed like it was like an attacking approach. And after I just I realized that no one's going to listen to you if you're just shoving what you know down their throat. What I learned is that by asking them what they believe, listening to them being receptive to what they say, it opens up a level of kind of comfortability that they will have and then kind of makes it a more vulnerable situation for the both of you so that you can hear what they have to say and then eventually you can say what it is that you believe. And a lot of the times that we were doing this, um, you know, I didn't tell them what it was that I believe. I, I let them tell me what they believe. And then I would give them my number, Jake would give them his number, and eventually, they every single time, they would text us back. You know, whether it was a week or a month down the line, they would text us back and say, hey, like, I never asked you what you believe. And then at that point, it was a perfect opportunity for us to be able to talk to them. So I... Through trial and error, I found that just being more receptive and you know, loving towards those other people, it, it'll, it'll make the difference in being able to talk to them about the gospel. Um, so furthermore, uh, in chapter 1, it says we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So what exactly is that? Um, so first... We're called to present or to yield. Um, the appeal to this is concerning our will. Um, the way of the character of a Christian is to be yielding or producing and providing for God. Here, um, yielding or appealing is the way that a Christian, um, the way to Christian um, consecration in conduct. Uh, consecration meaning to be made holy. I was going to ask you guys what that meant, but I decided not to. Um, not to be, have more holes in you, to be made more separate like God. Um, Paul says after to be presenting or yielding our bodies, so meaning our, our total personality, um, everything really about us, including our physical body, but more so about us as a whole, everything. Our, um, you know, our physical body is an instrument as to how we express ourselves, but um, it's also about the mind and about our affections and the will and how the Holy Spirit and they can all use the body. Um, as Christians, we're told that it's necessary to be that we be expressing and presenting our bodies in a way that is holy and pleasing to God. 
Um, this isn't just you know, showing up on a Sunday morning and listening to a sermon. This isn't going and uh, singing worship music in your car. It's, and it's not simply just reading the Bible. It's about our conduct as well. As well. It's about, you know, w- yes, those things are incorporated into it. It's about being part of your church and reading the, reading the Bible and being prayerful and fasting. But it's also about what we're doing in our time that's away from a Sunday morning. It's about what we're doing during the week. Um, to be able to glorify God. And, and we're really called to be glorifying God in everything that we do, whether that be, you know, work or being at church or et cetera. Um, but there, again, there's a couple different ways that we can be glorifying God in our bodies, um, as in through our physical body and through our will, our actions, and our mind. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Philippians 1.20 says, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And 2 Corinthians 4.10 says, Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So those are kind of a couple ways it, it is saying that we can be able to use our bodies, our whole personality, our affections, our will, our physical bodies to be glorifying God. Um, We were bought with a price um, by God, and we are called to be glorifying Him. And again, as it says in Philippians 1.20, it's my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed at all, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body. So just in everything that we do, not, you know, just exclusively to a Sunday morning. By an act of the will, our, of God's will, we place our total personalities and our bodies and minds and our souls at God's disposal fully all the time. This is what our spiritual worship is. It's our rational service, and it's well-pleasing to God. God took on the form of man to live perfectly and die a death that we deserved on a criminal's cross. Christ's whole life was leading up to being a sacrifice for our sins. So in that same way, our spiritual worship, our sacrifice is every breathing moment of every day. Every single thing that we do on earth should be to be glorifying and honoring God. Whether that, again, be at work, whether that be at home with your family, at school or in church. And I'm guilty of prioritizing these things in my life. And I... You know, all the time I choose to put things that are completely vanity over over everything else that I should be doing. But I still seek God no matter what. And I try to at least. <laughs> I had time to share my testimony back in back in March when I came with the worship team, but I was tied up with myself, prioritizing everything above God, um, pretty much trying to look the part and not, you know, just live how I wanted to. Um, I wasn't the same outside of church, and it just kind of led to a a dark and deceitful path, um, just full of the wrong things and the wrong priorities in my life. I felt completely away from God. And the reality was that God was there the whole time. I just hardened myself to hearing Him. So when I realized that, I, I got to a point where I just cried out to God for forgiveness to fix my heart. And now, having changed that, you know, might change my priorities. I've been able to see 
how it is that God can work in my life and how God can work in our lives. And so something I try to do is seek God daily. And that, you know, I fail at doing that every single day too. But, you know, in and of ourselves, we are broken and we aren't able to have any sort of righteousness in and of ourselves. But when we seek God in all things, God uses what we do for his glory. Um, And I forget that pretty often as well, but um, you know that shouldn't still stop us from be con- from being continuing to fall back to ask God for forgiveness and to be pursuing a Christ-like life. Um, so again, and just kind of in closing, as a as a charge, I whatever it is you're doing, um, let it be glorifying to God, because He ultimately deserves it. And in every moment of Christ's life on earth, He did that same thing to glorify God. So in the same way, it's our rational service to God that we do it as well for him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We know that it's not easy to be focusing and living lives according to you, Father, but I pray that you would just work in our lives. Lord, fill us with the Spirit to be seeking you in all things. Lord, let us live lives that are glorifying and honoring to you, as hard as that can be, Lord. And we will fail, Father. I just pray that we would be not reminiscing in the failure, Lord, but that we would be optimistic in the, the good news that you died for our sins, Lord, that we don't have to be bottled up and contained by our sinful nature, Lord, but that you died so that our sins would be forgiven. Lord, we love you. I pray that you would be with every single one of us as we leave here today and as we continue to worship. Just fill us with the the strength and the love of Christ, Lord. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.